Welcome to the Digital Landlord Podcast. Each episode, you'll be hearing from leading experts in the property industry. They'll be discussing strategies, insights, and real-life stories about how to be a successful modern landlord and how to use technology to manage their property portfolios. And now for your host, CEO of Lenlord.io, Aviram Shaha. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome along to our third episode in the Digital Landlord podcast. And today I'm excited to, uh, be, to be joined by John Howard, a well-experienced property developer, property entrepreneur, um, and a great writer as well. Uh, many books. Um, hi, John. Great having you uh, with me in this uh, episode. I've never, thank you very much, Avram. And I've never been described as a great writer. So thank you very much. That, 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 that is a first. That is a first. So thank you. I'm going to do another book actually at Christmas because Christmas is a bit boring. So I'm going to write another book about commercial property because I think commercial property is something that has been overlooked at the moment because people are very concerned about getting tenants and so on. But I think there's great opportunities in the commercial market. No, if we perhaps we can start with that. So what 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 is the opportunity? Because I think that COVID definitely did something to the commercial market, um, but there are many changes in the in the last like, I don't know like one year or so. So where you see it going? Yeah, well, well, really, in property, where there's any turbulence, where there's any problems, there's always opportunities, and I think that certainly. You know, I've always I've been buying and selling commercial property, not as much as residential, but I've certainly been involved in the commercial, the commercial property world probably for you know thirty odd years plus, and um, it, it, it's a slightly dangerous world because the difficulty is you go from zero to hero and hero to zero quite quickly, and as much that you know if you've got a you've got an empty property, you get a really good tenant, which is what I've done on many occasions. <coughs> Excuse me, that's great. Um, but of course, if you can't, but if you have a good tenant and they go and you can't be, you can't get another one, the value of your property drops substantially. So it, you need to, it's not for the faint hearted to be fair. And of course, with property, with commercial property, you could probably only borrow 50% against it, especially if it's empty. So, you know, you need probably what I call a proper bank rather than one of these type bridgey type banks who, who um, want everything on their own terms, really. So in terms of uh, commercial to residential projects, so we hear a lot from users uh, on our platform, they start to look on those kind of deals with permitted development. Where do you see um, is going in 2022? Well, I, I think permitted development, the, the, the difficulty is with permitted development, two things. One, one, when it came out in 2013, we all filled our boots because not many people knew about it. Now everyone is being peddled across, you know, every property portal, every every so-called property expert's been telling everyone to do um, commercial to residential through PD. Um, so we tend not to do it anymore because we just finished our last one about a year, slightly over a year ago, because we're always looking for the next new thing that we can earn good, good yields on, you know, good returns on. And of course, if too many people are chasing one particular product, um, there's too much competition for us. So we don't really get involved. Um, but I would say a word of warning on the PD is that 
um, the new rules that came out, well, they came out early, they meant to come out in August. They sound great, but actually what the government have done, they've given the planning authorities much more say uh, and much more ability to block a PD application than they did originally in 2013, 2012, whenever it was. When, it, when the office to residential, there's not much they could do. You didn't need parking, all this sort of stuff. Now you do in, in certain cases. So it has changed and I'd always just be very wary um, and always check with a planning consultant that, that you've got it right. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's extremely important. Um, and John, now if I um, go back a bit, uh, you know, in this postcard, you, you usually speak about, you know, technology, prop tech and the impact of technology on the property market. Um, but first, if you can share a few words about uh, your journey in property, and then uh, as a heads up, I will ask you after that, like about, you know, uh, occasions that you uh, found technology helping you to do better and basically, you know, and, you know take advantage of technology in order. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So, so my property journey started um, really when I was about 11 years old, because my father bought, he was a greengrocer in Felixstowe. Um, in Suffolk and he decided he wouldn't be a greengrocer one day he'd buy an estate agency so he sold his greengrocery business and he bought a, sm a very small two-man one-man estate agency really so um and he was 60 years old by then so um <clears throat> he he really just ran it for a bit of a hobby a bit of fun I suppose he wanted to make money but, but so uh, so from the age of about 11 um, in the holidays I would hold the tape for him when we went you know empty houses or even houses that were occupied by people putting on the market you had to have someone else hold the tape for you so um, to measure the houses in those days and so on so I did that I, and, and then um, I used to also cycle around and if there was a for sale board that and he didn't have it for sale he used to give me 50 pence for telling him about it and then he'd go and knock on the door and and, and um and uh, try and get it to sell and actually would you believe it you know um literally 40 odd years 50 years later that's exactly what we do with finding country our state agency in norfolk we've got um now six offices in norfolk and you know to get more stock we're continually um door knocking and and trying to get more more properties for sale off our opposition and any agent doesn't want to do that um shouldn't be an estate agent in my view so i joined him when i was 17 years old uh, when I could learn to drive. Um, he'd been very ill in hospital, so there really wasn't much business there. And actually, you've learned far more from a business that is really struggling than you do one that's doing well. And we were seriously struggling. Uh, he then went back into the hospital when I was uh, four months later. So I was running the business literally on my own with a lady called Mrs. Leader, who was a part-time secretary. And Mrs. Leader used to give me spelling lessons in the morning because my spelling was so bad, bless her heart. And I stammered as well. So I didn't like answering the phone and I didn't like and I don't really didn't want to make a phone call. And I was having to go out and bathe these properties. and I really didn't know what I was doing. So the whole thing was a bit of a car crash. But I got my act together by the time I was 18 or so. My father was back working um, and I could see where where the business needed to go. And he didn't. Um, he wanted to really retire, which is fair enough. And when he was 19, when I was 19, he decided Well, on my 18th birthday, by the way, I bought two properties. And I borrowed a little bit of money from my mother and from the bank manager in those days. And I managed to buy two, two flats. I sold one flat off immediately to the tenant, something that I do a lot, uh, even now, where we buy a property or buy 
properties and sell them off immediately to other traders or other dealers. And so uh, my property, my my property journey really started on my eighteenth birthday. And then from then I, I I I started, you know, got the money back, got lent it again, did another deal, and so on. Just similar to what people do now. Um, and when I was 19, um, the business was going to be sold and the person who wanted to buy it wanted me to stay as manager. Uh, the sale fell through and so I decided, well, I might as well buy it myself. So I, my mother persuaded my father, bless her heart, who's, she's 95 the other day, actually, she's still going. She managed to persuade him to sell the business to me because he didn't want to sell the business to me in case I failed, which is understandable. So I bought the business um, when I was 19, um, uh, changed the name of it, um, and we sort of doubled the turnover in the first year, really. And, 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 and I kept doing my property deals. And then I sold the estate agency when I was 24, when I met a guy called Robert Boyce, who was um, my backer for probably, well, I still do deals with his family now, uh, 35 years later. So, um, yeah. So I met Robert um, and he backed me, basically. Um, and I went from 24 years old by the time we were, I was 30, we had, we had 14, 15 million pounds worth of borrowings in the 1980s. And we had, in those days, you couldn't borrow more than 50% of the value um, of what you do, what you were doing or what you had. Uh, then the property recession came in the early 90s, um, which we survived. Um, made us more cautious, probably, which is fair enough. Um, we started converting offices to residential. Who would have thought of that eh? all those years ago? Well, people have been thinking about it for the last 200 years, I'm sure. Um, and, and we did a lot of listed buildings, listed buildings. So we take a listed building, convert it from a, an office back into residential, which it was originally properly. Um, and then, so, so really, and then I've just been working away doing my property deals. And then in 2009, we had the opportunity to buy Auction House UK. Um, and we bought Auction House UK with seven franchises, and it, it, it was uh, you know an auction, but property auction business, and we grew it to forty odd um, franchises, and I, we sold that three years ago, me and my partner. Um, and my, our last big deal is the the, the wine rack on Ipswich waterfront, one hundred and fifty flats, 26 million, um, twenty six million uh, development costs. So, you know, a big project. Um, but I prefer the smaller projects rather than those big ones, to be quite honest with you. And, uh, you know, I've started a joint venture fund now where we help invest in other people's deals, which is good fun. <clears throat> and um, four years ago, I wrote a book. And that's really how it all snowballed to me doing, you know, some property shows, property elevator and property graduate now and, and meeting um, decent people like yourself. <laughs> Yeah, no, it sounds like uh, an amazing journey. And it looks like, you know, in the last four years that this is like the time like to that you take the insights that I gained over the years with the books, with the, the yeah, TV. But, yeah, I mean, what I, yeah, what I realized is that people, some people know less than me. And of course, when you're, when you're a property developer mixing with other property developers all the time, <clears throat> you don't really appreciate that and there's so many people who want to get into property and have done wanted to get in in the last 10 years it's grown out of all proportion the amount of people that want to get into property um which is great you know the more people the better in some ways but of course it's more competition um so so and and, and really when you come to prop tech that's really what's happened i think to be honest with you is that with the prop tech it's made property much more available to more people 
and you can analyze things so much better you know um you know landlord you know is, is a it's a it's a it's a great piece of prop tech um but the basics to start with of course were things like right move weren't they and and so on presumably um and that changed a state agency completely um because suddenly you did need to advertise in the in the local newspapers which we always used to do we didn't need to do that anymore um convincing the public that you didn't need to do that or the, or the or people who were selling the houses that you didn't need to do that was harder because especially with fine country because we've sell more expensive properties so the simply older people they need more convincing but of course now i think some about 95 percent of all property searches start on your phone you know i mean it's amazing it's amazing yeah you mentioned the deal analyzer and um mm. and we basically collaborated that on the property graduate uh... yes we did yeah and, and it was and it was a great help to so many people um what i would say is you have opened up the world slightly um or you've opened up the pandora's box for me because Of course, all of a sudden, other people can analyze the deal as quick as I can now and quicker. So I'm not sure that's all good. But um, yes. and of course, they've got so much knowledge, you know, that you can it's all at your fingertips now. You know, I mean, I'm you know, I used to have to say we're looking to buy a property in Darlington. We'd have to drive to Darlington, you know, four or five hours from here and look at it for half an hour and drive all the way home again. I mean, now, you know, we don't tend to look at a property. deal unless we're pretty sure we're going to buy it um because because of all you know street scene and all these other things you can do it's absolutely fantastic in many ways but it has it opened up it's caused you know we suddenly we've got a lot more competition than we ever had yeah you know one of our uh, one of the main goals of, like the main of the deal analyzer is to help investors be more cautious or more conservative even so basically we allow them to analyze the For instance the purchase costs so to take into account any um, unexpected costs or like or to yeah. show that they are going to invest much more than just the, the deposit they put yeah, you. yeah. No. Um, and then the second part is to to analyze it for the long term and there I think that experienced developers and entrepreneurs like you for instance they can go to an area understand the, the what's going on there they can take a look on the property and Um, we want you know like and what you see like today in proptech and I think this is what we're trying to do it at landlord is to make this data accessible online and of course it will not be 100 accurate but it's definitely can provide them you know indication to make better decision like to put the the right assumptions for the long term and then see where it takes them in 10 years or 20 years yeah. or just five years as well. I, I think I think I think it's I think it's a brilliant piece of tech you know I'm a big fan as you know um, that's why we, we we had it on the property graduate because I was so pleased and keen for people to be able to use it um, and, and some of them needed to to be honest with you <laughs> that's another story but the, the one the one thing I would say in my experience of invest especially people looking to develop property which is really my bag um, is that a lot of them show no fear and that's quite scary um, you need to have fear you need to de-risk a development a deal and some of them see no fear at all um, and they you know the senders are these joint venture um, potential deals that would they'd like us to invest into and they show no fear and that and, and that's dangerous you need to show fear and when you have it analyzed correctly as in the deal analyzer they can then appreciate that 
appreciate the risks involved, but so many until then, um, you know, don't. Uh, and that's quite scary. Yes, exactly. And I think this is the, the thing, like if you use the data and you analyze the numbers, then you can, you know, see that there are some um, cases that you might make less profit or yeah. even loss if you don't take into account some yeah. of the, for instance, yeah. the <coughs> we measure. You mentioned like the commercial that, uh, but I think also for residential properties, it's so important. And I think that when people analyze deals, they take into account that it's within 100% occupancy rate every year. And it's mm -hmm. not something to assume. And, that, and we put like 95% as the default, but you know, if you want to be conservative, you can put like 92%. What, what do you think of occupancy rate? It's something that you, you, you take it into account when you analyze um, a new deal, a new uh, project. Yeah, I think, I think it's so important to, to, I mean, everyone assumes, especially with, especially with residential, that you're going to sell it immediately or you're going to rent it immediately and you can refinance it for so much. You know, it's almost like a given. And, 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 you know, a friend of mine um, recently, it just reminded me, a friend of mine has got a really nice development in a really, I won't say which city it's in, but it's a really smart city. Um, and um, I said to him the other day, having a coffee with him, I said, how are you getting on with it? And he said, do you know what, John, out of seven properties, we've only sold one. I said, why is that? So, well, the, just the, the, the demand for that type of product, it's a luxurious product, luxury product in a, in a, in, in, in a very smart city. Um, it's just not there at the moment, uh, and and he sold two. He sold one property, completed one property out of seven since since March, and the, and that's the best property market we've had. So it just shows you not everything sells as well as you hope, and you have to be cautious. And the one thing again, you know, talking about being 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 sort of ballsy with these deals is that the one thing. You know, people just assume they're all going to sell within three months or something crazy when they're finished. You know, it just doesn't happen. And your profit is always in the last few. So, you know, it's not about selling the first one. Um, I'm interested in selling the last one, not the first one. Yeah, good, good insight. Uh, what about the finance side of the deals? And if you can, you know, give us a few words about how you um, usually take a look on the finance options. And what are like the, your tips for um, you know newcomer landlords or property investors, and and another thing is like how technology can help you find finance, like from your experience. Well, the technology is fantastic for this because you can put it, you can you can press a few buttons, and and I, and by the way, you know I am I am the least technical person, as you know, I'm the least technical person at all, but even I can do it. Our landlord even i can do it mm. so <clears throat> you know so so you can search the market so easily for the best rates now um and of course these banks people people think about well they call themselves banks these new property banks most of them aren't property banks most of them are, are what i call bridges really because they're they're lending the money eight nine ten percent that's not that's not a bank rate that's a that's a bridging rate really the one thing with them is that you know if you can borrow, if they, they'll probably lend you more than they used to lend. So in the old days, you couldn't borrow more than, say, 50% of the purchase price and maybe 50% of build costs. Now, 
you know, you can borrow 70% probably of the purchase price and they'll do all the bill costs as well for you on occasions if you if you if the deal's good enough. So on that basis, it's opened up the, it's opened up the whole market to so many more people. And that's and that's not a bad thing. And the, I, so I don't knock bridges because I think bridging banks, because actually, you know, it's short-term lending. You need to know how long you need to lend it for, you want to borrow it for. The one thing I would say, the mistake most people make is they think they won't need it for very long. So they might borrow the money over 12 months. Now, once the 12 months are up, they will lend it to you for a further six months or longer, I'm sure, but they'll charge you more interest. So you're better off to say you need it for 18 months to start with and pay it back after 14 than you are get to 12 and all the stress and the worry about them saying, oh, we might lend it, we might not. Well, they'll, then most of them will lend it on because it saves them lending it to someone else. And the other thing to remember is these these bridges and these bank, banks, whatever you call them, um, they are under pressure to, to borrow them, to, 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 to lend the money out because they've, they've got the money in and they're paying an interest rate on the money. So they need to lend it. So in, uh, there are opportunities to negotiate with them on interest rate a little bit sometimes. And so on. and especially the fee, the upfront fee. Now, the upfront fee, some of that goes to the broker who's introduced them probably and some some of the bank keep themselves. So there is some flexibility there, um, but you just need to be careful and read the small print, read the small print and make sure you, you borrow the money for longer than you think you need it for. I think that technology here, like also we, you know, help invest like the consumers um, uh, in the future, because for, like our vision is to provide, you know, if you take a look on like digital finance, yeah. something that, <clears throat> can you you mentioned about the the fees that you know usually lenders need to share things like yeah. that i think that if there will be a, a place that um the investors the consumers can basically get access to the finance directly and start you know online processes online applications uh we believe that it's it's at some point should make the, the deal cheaper and because then you know you can streamline the process you can save on some manpower costs you can save on fees um and basically can benefit both sides i'm I'm, so, I'm sure you're right i was talking to again i won't see who the bank are but i was talking to a very a very big lender the other day and they've got 500 odd staff and he said the only reason we can't lend more money is because we can't we can't get the staff and i thought well They've been going quite a long time and i did think well perhaps the technology is the problem as well yeah definitely. you know because actually you know if you're smarter with the technology you probably don't need any more staff to lend more money so but i mean changing that technology must be an absolute nightmare and you've got people like nat west and people like that these big banks i mean all they do is keep keep adding on to their technology they don't change it because it's such a nightmare to do, I imagine, isn't it? At that level, it must be an absolute nightmare to do so. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, now, John, I want to ask you, uh, we're getting uh, to the end of the conversation. So what are the most important things you think landlords should be aware of in 2022? And usually I, I like to you know, to separate it for what are, your, what are like your tips for landlords, um, like professional experienced landlords that are in the market, I don't know, for 10, 20 years, and for newcomer landlords, people just, just getting started. 
Goodness me, that's a difficult question, isn't it? Very difficult. Well, I think I think what you we all have to appreciate that this year has been exceptional and that next year is not going to be the same property wise. So we're not going to get a big increase in property prices, in my view. I think the market is going to be very flat. That will give loads of opportunities to people who have been sensible and sat on their hands and not jumped in. Uh, and, and queued up to buy a property like everyone, like most of the country seems to have done coming out of lockdown. So more opportunities, great opportunities, I think, for first time investors, great opportunities for, for, for them. Um, and I think an exciting time to be had. The, it's going to be a tough year because we're going to have, without question, we're going to have higher inflation. The high inflation normally is not that bad news for property, to be fair, but it's combi- you combine that with an interest rate rise, which there's definitely going to be. There would have been one already, but it wasn't for COVID. So there'll be an interest rate rise probably in April. Um, uh, combine that with, with um, energy prices going through the roof, well, most other prices going through the roof. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough year. I'm convinced it's going to be a tough year. But that's that's probably good for us. You know, it's good for property people to have a tough year because it gives us opportunities. And like I said, and we've gone full circle, you know, with the commercial. The reason the commercial is interesting to me is because there's turbulence in that market. (coughs) So, you know, there's turbulence in the market. You know, people are saying high streets are dead. High streets aren't dead. High streets are going through a a, a change. And it's, you know, when there's any change, um, in, in the circumstances, you know, it it it, it causes it, it gives opportunities, but 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 people panic, and uh, you know, I I'm looking at a number of commercial projects at the moment where we're buying vacant, um, and I'm, I'm I'm finding tenants, you know, I'm finding tenants. Yes, at a lot less rent. I'm not saying saying the same rent. No, less rent, but but certainly there are opportunities for the for the experienced residential investor who's got funds available, there is definitely opportunities in the commercial um, shop and office market. Okay. Sounds good. And uh, um, um, so I think, let me see if I have something else I wanted to to discuss with you. Um, So all in all, uh, are you feel ready for 2022 in terms of your plans? I'm I'm very excited about 2022 i've got less property to sell this year than i had last year thank goodness and less than the year before so that's good um my joint venture fund uh, we've got a few projects on the go now we want to get another 20 25 on the go between now and this time next year uh and it's great meeting lots of new people who are who are you know some of them are very aspirational aspirational and 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 um talented and i'm delighted to be able to help invest with them yeah, perhaps you can use like this to take this opportunity to ask like people that are now listening to us that uh, they can apply for uh, your joint venture program. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I, yes, I always get told off for not promoting anything. So thank you for reminding me. So, um, yeah, so, so, <laughs> so the joint venture fund, John Howe joint venture fund.co.uk. If you are interested in, 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 in us investing in, in your deal, uh, we'll help fund it 100% um uh and share the profit with you 50 50 so and you have the benefit of our experience through the project help you through the project as well so if you if you'd like to go to john Howard property 
um, johnhairjointventurefund.co.uk. Um, I've also got um, a number of seminars I'm doing next year. Um, um, and also, if you like to apply for a property elevator show or um, my new show, The Property Graduate, then you can do so through my website as well. Yeah, I encourage you to do it. Great program. And the property graduate, you can also is like uh, promoting the deal analyzer of landlords. So Absolutely. Uh, you can also benefit from a great analysis too. So thank you, John. It, it was great uh, speaking with you as always. Nights. Um, and uh, see you in the, perhaps in the next season of our podcast. I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. We hope you got value from this episode. Please remember to follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast app to be updated with future episodes of the Digital Landlord Podcast.